Matthew chapter 6. Now this is, um, this is a large uh, chunk of scripture from verse 19 down to verse 34. Um, it really ought to be covered in one sermon because it's, it's one paragraph. But try as I might, I couldn't get it distilled down enough <laughs> to fit into our allotted time. So this is going to be part one. We're going to look at verses 19 down to about verse 24. Uh, then we'll do uh, the next section next week. So this morning we're looking at the cause for anxiety, and then you have to come back next week for the cure for anxiety, if that doesn't make you too anxious. Okay. And, 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 of course, this message might be a little shorter uh, than the others have been because it's kind of in two parts, and I hope that doesn't mess you up either. Uh, Jesus from verses 1 to 18 in chapter 6, he has instructed us on, on the right and wrong motives for our giving and service, the right and wrong motives for our praying, uh, the right and wrong motives for our fasting. And now he's going to help us live a life of peace, of, 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 of calm. Um, The kind of peace and calm that comes from trusting the Father instead of trusting ourselves. Uh, the kind of peace and calm that comes from allowing God to work uh, instead of us trying to take his job from him. We might say that righteousness requires the right master. And as we're dealing with anxiety and worry, we're going to find that anxiety can be a very cruel master. Uh, anxiety happens when we try to live with the untenable division of loyalties between the world and the things of God. You know, we're, we're kind of accustomed to our lives being divided up into, you know, material things and spiritual things. You know, well, I have my church life and then I've got my work life or I've got my church life and work life and play life and, and I kind of keep those separate. But Jesus doesn't do that. Now, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, then your entire life fits into this one category, all things spiritual. Worldly-mindedness is as common and as fatal a symptom of hypocrisy as any other. It seems like there's no other sin that, 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 that Satan can have a sure and faster hold of us and, and, and it can be disguised, though, as, you know, I mean, we can, we can pass it off as being a real profession of faith. We can, it, it looks like it's okay on the outside. See, Christ warned us against coveting the praise of men. He did that from verses 1 to 18. Uh, now he's going to warn us against coveting the wealth of the world or trying to live in, in, in two worlds at once. The hypocrites chose the world as their reward. Remember, they did that when they were giving. They gave so that men would, would applaud them. They prayed out loud so men would applaud them. They fasted so everybody could see so men would applaud them. We have to be careful of, of both the hypocrisy and worldly-mindedness. And we have to choose, we have to make our treasure the right treasure. We have to make sure that our master is the right master. Now, now as, as we'll see as, as we work through here, Christ doesn't want us to be deprived of treasure, okay? 
but he does want us to choose the right treasure. The way people use wealth is really an indication of, uh, of their hearts. Um, your attitude towards wealth is, is kind of a barometer of your righteousness. See, the Pharisees believed that the Lord materially blessed everybody who loved him, and they were intent on building great treasures on earth. And it's a common error of, of Phariseeism and Judaism uh, in general that you know, they, they place this undue emphasis on, on material wealth, wealth as being a sign of God's approval, and it's just not so. Let's uh, begin reading in verse 19, and we'll read down to verse 24. Where it says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither, um, neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Verse 24, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, our... Our treasure is our alms giving and service. Our treasure is our, our prayers. Our treasure is our fasting. Uh, and, and it's the reward that comes from them, either done incorrectly or correctly. And, and if we've done these things only to get the applause of men, only so that people can think that we're spiritual, then we've laid up our treasure on earth. We've, we've wedged it into the hands of men, and, and really, we must never expect to hear anything from God about it. We've received our reward. That's all we're going to get. Now, it is, it is foolishness to do this because this praise of men that, that we covet so much, it's, it's predisposed to corruption. It'll soon be rusted and moth-eaten and tarnished, and, and, and the thieves that break through and steal are slander and misrepresentation. Uh, and and, and we'll, we'll lose all the treasure if our performance is people-oriented. So what we see is, is three causes of, of anxiety from verses 19 down to verse 24. Uh, anxiety is caused, first of all, when you pursue anything but God. Verses 19 to 21. Uh, don't lay up treasures on earth because they're going to be ruined. Lay up treasures in heaven because they'll be safe and secure. Your heart chases your treasure, essentially. There'll be anxiety when you pursue more things or more, more than one set of values, or if you try to pursue two sets of values, that's going to cause you anxiety. See, a divided heart will cause anxiety. The question you have to ask yourself is, do you have a heart for this life, or do you have a heart for heaven? That's the core issue here. What, what these verses teach us is the waste, the futility 
of earthly treasure, the, the corruptibility of earthly treasure, whether it's the praise of men or, or if we apply this to money and, 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 and stuff, uh, it'll be left here when you die. And whoever gets it next, it's not going to mean the same thing to them that it means to you. It's going to be used. It's going to be abused. Eventually, it's going to end up in the dump. Uh, you've worked your life to collect these earthly treasures, and, and they're going to be worthless in a generation or two after you're gone. It is wasteful to spend your life putting such value on things you cannot take with you to eternity. Now, materialistically, the Eastern treasures that Jesus were talking about, if it has a material application, would have been the costly clothes that they had. They were uh, you know, very, very finely woven, the expensive ones were, and they had to be done by hand uh, at this time. And, and they could be consumed by moths. I mean, you take them out of the little, you know, they didn't have totes back then, so whatever little basket or box they had them in, and you know, pff, moths come out, there's holes in them, they were, they were ruined. They could also consist, the riches could consist of various types of metal and, 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 and rust and corrosion um, could be involved. Now, now, this rust might mean just regular wear and tear, um, but, but corrupt means to make disappear. And, and earthly treasures are, are perishable, whether they're gold and silver or they're fine clothes. They do not do us any lasting good. So we must not covet and chase after the abundance of things and keep grabbing at them as if we need more and more and adding to the pile that we already have as if we can never get enough. We must not put our confidence in our stuff for our future, for our security, for our provision. One commentary said, and I love this, we must not say to the gold, thou art my hope. That, that sums it up. We must not say to the gold, thou art my hope. We must not find our contentment in stuff. As if we, uh, as if we think that's all there is to this life. They must not be our consolation. They can't be our comfort. They will disappoint us every single time. And why? Because Jesus says it is predisposed to damage and decay. It's not going to last. Your life is too important to waste in, in putting energies into things that will be destroyed. It will be destroyed from corruption from within or violence from without when the thieves break in. And it's idiocy to make our treasure something that we can lose so easily as our stuff. And I think that, that deep down we, we know that, but, but the harder we try to hold on to these fleeting fancies, the more anxiety we're going to suffer from because of us trying to, to either grip them too tightly or even worse, we're going to try to grip our treasures and the things of God at the same time. We're going to be pulled in two different directions. Now verse 20 is, is the antithesis, the other side of this. Verse 19, don't lay up treasures in heaven. Verse 20, yes, lay up treasures in heaven. Well, verse 19, don't lay up treasures on earth. Verse 20 is lay up treasures in heaven. 
The reason for not hoarding earthly treasures become the antithetical reasons for heavenly riches and trying to get them. We see the wisdom of heavenly riches here, don't we? They last, right? They have value. Uh, they're they're going to be around for a while. We see that they are, they are incorruptible. Moth can't get to them. Rust can't get to them. Thieves can't get to them. Heavenly treasures are, are imperishable. They're unassailable. Any moth or rust or thief that would get into them would have to go through God. How do you think that's going to work out for them? This is wise counsel. Making the things that are not seen, making the things that are eternal our highest priority, and, and, and to place our, our efforts and, 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 and our energies in, into getting them. You see, we can trust God to keep those things safe for us. See, heavenly riches are the only treasures that you can take with you from this life. You've, you've heard the cliche, there's no U-Hauls behind hearses, right? And, and then you see on Facebook, someone actually posts one, there's a U-Haul behind a hearse. But it just, you know, we know that's just funny. But it's really not funny. Because you don't even get to take the clothes on your back when you leave this life. But treasures you lay up in heaven will be waiting for you when you get there. Everything else stays here and is eventually destroyed. Heavenly riches are the only things that survive the passage from this life to the next. Then we think of verse 21, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Is the praise of men your earthly treasure? See, your heart decides that. Uh, what does your heart love? What does uh, your heart run to? Because you can only run to one thing. You can only run one direction at a time. You've ever chased grandkids and, and, and there's more than one. You know you've got to pick one and stick with them, right? Or you'll, you'll never catch them. You can only run at one thing. The Puritans had a saying, Thy treasure, thy heart. Luther said, what a man loves, that is his God. For he carries it in his heart and goes about with it night and day. He sleeps and wakes with it, be it what it may, wealth or self, pleasure or renown. See, heart follows treasure. Like a compass needle will follow a magnet, like a sunflower follows the sun. Where the treasure is, that's where you find your value and your esteem. Uh, that's where you find your love and, and, and your affection. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 says, Set your affection, that set your mind, set your heart on things above, not on things on the earth. So your, your heart belongs to God. If you've trusted Jesus as Savior, your heart is God's. Your heart needs to be faithful and follow its master. One commentary says, Where your treasure is, there your cares and fears are. There your hopes and trusts are. There your joys and delights will be. And there your thoughts will be. There the inward thought will be, the first thought, the free thought, the fixed thought, the frequent and familiar thought. 
So you, you will chase your treasure. You can't not do that. Another commentary says, but if we have prayed and fasted and given alms in truth and uprightness with an eye to God and to his acceptance and have approved ourselves to him, then we have laid up treasures in heaven. Right? Heart follows treasure. So do you treasure God or do you not? It's not wrong to possess things, but it is wrong for things to possess us. And the sin of idolatry is as dangerous as the sin of hypocrisy. Pursuing anything but God or anything and God and his riches will cause you anxiety. Second thing we see in verses 22 and 23, there will be anxiety when you pursue more than one set of morals here. Verse 20, uh, 22 and 23, this is the eye thing. The light of the body is the eye, therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Verse 23, but if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness, and therefore if the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Um, these two verses are, are a challenge. The, the commentaries aren't really sure how, how to unfold these, so we'll, we'll, we'll do the best we can here, but... We do know that, uh, that a single eye, the single means unfolded. Single means unwrinkled. So if the eye is the heart, then, then it has single, uh, single affection. It's, it's free, it's beautiful, it's full of light, it's full of good works. And these good works are what shine before men. If, if the eye is understanding, then it has practiced judgment. It has practical judgment. It makes true and right judgments or decisions. It can discern things that, that are different. And it will rightly guide your affections and actions. If the eye is, is the aims and intentions, well, then we aim honestly. We fix it on right things and we move towards those right things the right way. We, we aim purely and only at the glory of God. We seek his honor and his favor, and we direct our efforts entirely to him when the eye is single. And if the eye used figuratively for your spiritual understanding, if that is single, the opposite of twofold, remember it means un, unfolded, then it's not affected by, by a double vision when it comes to earthly treasures or heavenly treasures. God calls that condition evil. Because if it's singular, then you can look at riches and you can look at possessions in their proper perspective. You can use them as a tool to do the work of God instead of being owned by your stuff and being a slave to them. In verse 23, it says evil. It means distempered, just bad, right? Like we have a bad eye. The Pharisees had this problem because their spiritual eyes were diseased. So, so with their eyes, they were coveting money and they were coveting wealth and they were coveting man's attention. Uh, so they were in spiritual darkness. And an impaired eye or an eye that doesn't look straight, doesn't look full on at its target, uh, it, it sees nothing the right way. Um, this is a mind and heart that's divided between heaven and earth. And, and it says it's all... It's all darkness. It has no set, uh, no, no solid loyalty. See, just as, as, as a conscience determines a man's character, 
if the eye is not simple and single and looking towards heaven, if it's distorted and, and has double vision, then, then really that, that tells you what all the other faculties and principles of this person is and, and, and how they make their decisions, where they get their direction. It makes the whole person, uh, his whole life, his whole thinking will be dark. So you, you cannot keep one eye on your hoarded treasure and then roll the other eye you know, up to heaven. See, seeing double is double-mindedness. We're going to see this in verse 24 in just a moment. It is, it is the most difficult thing to make progress in one direction while you're looking in another direction. Why do you think texting and driving is so dangerous? Because you cannot look two places at once. You can look at one thing at a time, and that's it. And Jesus is saying here, you need to make sure you're looking to me, to heaven, to heavenly treasures. So what's it going to be? The world or the Lord? These verses are, are attacking a, a preoccupation with, with selfish materialism, and, and what they call for is a wholehearted, uh, singular devotion to God. And we must not be morally divided. We must not be morally situational. This will cause us anxiety as we try to reconcile a conflict that is irreconcilable. Because it's either the things of God and not the things of God, and those things can never come together. And we get to verse 24. And we see that there will be anxiety when you pursue more than one master. It says, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Just as a note, this word mammon, it's not Greek, it's not really Hebrew, it's an Aramaic word. Um, Jesus is the only one that uses this word in the New Testament, shows up four times, um, but we'll get to a little more detail in that. You know, if, 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 if there's a servant and, and, and two masters are walking the same direction, you know, that servant can follow both of those masters, but, but when the masters veer off and take different paths, you'll see which master the servant belongs to uh, because he cannot love, he cannot observe, he cannot cleave to both of them as he's supposed to, right? If, if to the one, then not to the other. Either it's this or it's that. Um, one has to be despised and one has to be accepted. I mean, this is plain and simple truth, okay? Serving two masters is contrary to having the singular eye that we saw in verse 22 and 23. The eye will be looking at one master, and the servant must take direction from either one or the other. He cannot take directions from both. I worked at a fish cannery in Igigik. Uh, I worked in the freezer plant. I had one boss. When I was driving the forklift with a tow device, everybody that wanted ice wanted to be my boss. Hey, I need that ice over here. I need that ice over here. And at first, I, I really didn't know what to do because, I mean, they were important. They were the bosses, but they weren't my boss. So I finally had to get to the point where I said, nope, you, you talk to whoever's name was. I don't remember. I tried to put that out of my memory because it was, like, horrible. All right. Um, good, honest work, just really hard for a college kid. Uh, I, I, I had to listen to one boss. Okay, I had one boss, one set of instructions, and that's the way it must be. It caused an enormous amount of anxiety to have too many people telling me what to do. It doesn't work. 
To serve means to be wholly or entirely under the command of. So you are a servant of God or you are owned by your money and possessions. You can only serve one. And if that one is not God, or if you're trying to add one to God, you're going to have anxiety. Now it says that we'll love or we'll hate or, or, or we'll hold to or despise. Hate just means hate. We know what that means. But the love, that's the agape, um, agapao love, the, the self-sacrificing love which means that you will either, either, either sacrifice yourself to the Lord or you will sacrifice yourself to your money and your stuff. So you will hate one and you will give yourself to the other. Pretty serious. To hold just means to cling to, to hold fast. But to despise means against the mind. The word means to, to line up face to face with another person against the third person. So you either will join forces with God against the mammon master, or you will square off against God with your toys. Do you see the problem of having two masters? Of trying to serve or worship God and anything else? See, mammon is, is a weird word. It's a general term for material possessions. It doesn't necessarily mean bad, badly gained, but, but it just means money and stuff, right? Uh, and the Hebrew word, again, there's no Greek word for this here, but uh, it means that in which you trust. That's what mammon means. That in which you have confidence. So here, because of the context, it, 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 it has to mean riches that are considered an idol, all right? uh, a god of your heart. So whatever in this world is accounted to be gain, remember Paul said, I count the, everything but lost to gain Christ. Anything that's counted as gain is mammon. Whether it's, it's, it's the world or, 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 or the flesh or the devil or, or it's the, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, all of that is mammon. And you cannot serve God and anything else that you look to for security. You cannot serve God and anything else you look to for peace of mind. Peace cannot come from two opposing sources. Security can only come from one place here. The slave of mammon, one commentary says, the slave of mammon will obey mammon while pretending to obey God. And to some, you know, their belly is mammon and they'll serve their belly. To others, their, their, their recreation, their ease, their sleep, their sports, their pastime, that's their mammon. Others, it's, it's, it's worldly riches, money, and possessions and things. To some people, it's honor and attention and praise and the applause of men. Uh, that was the Pharisees, ma'am, and that could be ours. See, in a word, self is mammon. And you know, God has a trinity. Well, the world has a trinity also. Sensual, secular, and self. That's mammon. And it cannot be served in conjunction with God. It cannot happen. 
If it is served, it is in competition with God. If it is served, it is in contradiction to God. And see, Jesus doesn't say that, that, that we must not serve God and mammon or that we should not serve God and mammon. He says we cannot serve God and mammon. We cannot love both. We cannot hold to both. We cannot observe both. We cannot obey both. We cannot attend to both. We can't trust both. We cannot depend on both because they are contrary. It cannot happen no matter how hard we try. See, God says, my son, give me my heart. And Mammon says, no. No, it's mine. You give it to me. God says, be content with such things as you have. And, and, and Mammon says, no, no, don't you be content. You grab at everything you can get. Money, money, by fair means or foul money. God says, defraud not, never lie, be honest and just in all your dealings. And Mammon says, cheat your own dad if you can make a buck. God says to be charitable to be giving and mammon says no you keep your money and you keep your stuff all this giving is a waste they ought to work for what they want god says be anxious for nothing and mammon says no you be anxious about everything all the time you can never have enough god says to keep holy the sabbath day and mammon says no you use that day just like any other day to get as much as you can get and so contradictory are the commands of God and the commands of mammon that we cannot serve both of them. We must not be indecisive between God and Baal. We must choose us this day whom we will serve, and we have to stick by our choice. Because you can only have one master. That's all you're ever going to have is one master. Now note something here as we wrap this up that Jesus does, he, he does not condemn wealth right? he does not condemn wealth he condemns enslavement to wealth enslavement to wealth while trying to serve God will pull you in two different directions and that's virtually the definition of anxiety it will divide you uh, you cannot hope to make your religion serve your secular interests. And if your heart is in the wrong place, your eye is looking in the wrong place, your mind is in the wrong place, then you will be anxious about everything. See, God wants you at peace. We'll cover much more of this next week. God wants you to have a... He, he doesn't want your life to be unpeaceful because of something you've done to yourself. Okay. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, if you're trying to serve more than one master, if you're trying to build up treasures in two places, if you're looking in two different directions, God's peace will not be keeping your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's going to be absent. You're going to be a wreck. You're going to be frustrated. 
Only a wholehearted submission to Jesus will bring you peace. And, and, and really, isn't that what you're trying to find? You want peace. You want, you want security. You want, you want to be you know, relatively happy and life to be fairly, you know. If life was a road, you don't want a lot of potholes, right? Jesus says, having divided loyalties, that is not the way to do that. It will cause you frustration and anxiety. And, and we see in verse 25 where he says, take no thought. That's the same setup, same word, same construction as we find in, in Philippians chapter 3 where it says, be anxious for nothing. Exactly the same. So we've covered the cause of anxiety. A divided loyalty between God and anything else. You can continue chasing everything else but or and God. And you will continue to be frustrated and anxious and unfulfilled. Or you can come back next week and hear the cure for this situation. I want you to stand with your heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we thank you once again. As we do every Sunday morning, Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you that, it, that it's a living word, that, that your Holy Spirit uh, is not only necessary, but, but, uh, but very active in us understanding it and applying it and taking it and living by it. And Lord, much of this we've covered this morning, you know, runs so contrary to the world's way of thinking. And Lord, we have to interface with the world, and so often we allow the world to influence our thinking and our priorities, and, and you would not have it so. So Father, this morning, help us in our frailty and our weakness and our divided loyalties. Lord, help us to love you above everything else. Father, please teach us how to make you our treasure. Teach us how to make you our singular focus. Teach us, Lord, also how to have you as our only master. That the peace which comes from you can envelop us and our families. That we can be at peace with you and with ourselves. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mike, would you come ahead, please?